We got Juicy J on the podcast today. Juicy J, pioneering hip-hop producer, rapper, member of the 3-6 Mafia, Terror Club Up Thugs, mm-hmm. Hypnotized Minds. Uh, talk about his new book, Chronicles of the Juice Man, mm-hmm. a memoir. Mm-hmm. We got Juicy J coming up. We talked yeah. about a lot of things. Yeah. Logic. We talked about logic. We talked about drugs and rap. Drug use. His his past. What else? He, I mean, he doesn't hold back, which he also doesn't hold back in this book, which is great. We talked about how he great feels book. about, you know, the group overall. We talked about how he feels about current rappers and, and Memphis and even maybe some career aspirations that he may have yeah, in the Juicy future. Jay got, he's, he's, got, he's got stuff he wants to do in his future. Um, you know what's great, though? What? Is that it takes you back to a certain, for us, right? We're from the South. We like Southern rap. Just talking to Juicy J and thinking about the music takes you back to a certain time in your life. A simpler time. I don't <laughs> want to share this moment with you. Why? Because I don't, I don't know. I feel like I want this. For myself. You want what for yourself? The the Juicy J moment. The moment of Southern rap. I, I, want, I want to exclude you. I'm not sure why. You need to explain more. I want, I want, I'm, I'm the old nigga. The only person on why this show. Why you gotta be older that, to that, appreciate the, the, the only person Mafia? On this show that gets to reminisce is me. You're a young lass. Okay. You, you don't get to look back, okay? You're a young lass. Stop. You got to think about the future, Rachel. We're the Rachel. same age. No, no, we're not. Well, we we're have the even, same. Like, we wouldn't have even been in the same high school There's together. a range, though. You're a young you lass. You will not take this away from me. You're, I remember. You're a lassie. That's what you I are. Remember, are you a lassie? True or false? No. I remember no. having to sneak to listen to the music. I remember being see? initially scared of the music. See, see what I'm saying? Hold on. I remember, see? I remember being like, can I listen to this? Can I not? It just takes me back. I loved you know, like, I don't know it to the levels that you do, but I definitely love listening to 3-6 Mafia growing up. And it does. It reminds me of my youth. And I can have that, Van. Sorry, you don't get to keep that for yourself. Nah, you're still Juicy in your J, Juicy you're J, in your I didn't youth. say I wasn't. All right, there it is. I'm saying I'm not. But Juicy J and his music and 3-6 Mafia, you like it. it impacted us all. And the so today was a real it. treat. You think the judge, who's ju- who's the, the Ten ju- Commandments, the ju- the Battle of Jericho Battle was an Jericho. allowing me, was allowing me to listen to listen to Three Six Mafia. Who is the judge's favorite rapper? He doesn't have one that I'm. The aware judge of. doesn't like one rap song. I, you know, that's a really great question. I've never asked him that. He's more of a blues guy. Mm-hmm. Johnny like, Taylor, Big Face Hundreds. We love Johnny Taylor. We grew up listening to like Howlin' Wolf. Mm-hmm. And my dad Wait. loved this guy from New Orleans called Rooster that he met that he met when he like on a on a corner of a street when he was working in Louisiana. So the judge Loves didn't the hear like one rap song and be like, "I like." That. I'm sure he did, but I've literally ask him, ask the judge right now. I want to. I need to know what the judge's favorite rap song of all time. Why should be like "Fancy" by Iggy Azalea or something like that? Can you imagine? That would be the type of shit that the judge would like. <laughs> It's like, I like that record. That young white lady. It's like he can feel it within his Rooftop, soul. Rooftop, like, like bringing 88 back. Whereas I heard that song on a commercial. I'm he the judge. Talk. He doesn't talk like That's that. What he, it's <laughs> judge language. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's not picking up the phone. Because he knows that it's Satan calling. He knows ain't nobody calling but the devil. <laughs> he knows. He knows ain't nobody calling but the devil. Send the devil to voicemail. That could be a gospel Daddy, song. Daddy, call me back. Question I've never asked you before. 
what's your favorite rap song? Mm -hmm. Or do you even have a favorite rapper? Yeah. yeah. Call me back in the next hour or so so I can get it on the podcast. This is going to be a seminal moment in higher learning history with the judge and his rap. Goodbye. This is going to be a <laughs> seminal moment. This is a very important moment. My mom would really liked rap. She used to like the Bone Thugs and Harmony. Loved them. I can definitely tell you he didn't listen to them. Loved them. Uh, my dad would hear a couple of songs too. I never told you this story before. So Nelly had this song. I can't remember which track it was on. And it was called, uh, you remember that song? You can find me in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some duck down and some yeah. there. Hey, others just smoke and fuck all day. Okay. So my mother, <laughs> my mother loved that song. She was like, she was she would walk through the house like just singing it, like because she would listen to Nellyville. I had Nellyville. I can't remember which Nelly was on, but it's like my mom would be like, "You can find me in St. Louis. <laughs> some girls yell and some feel hey, others just smoke and fuck all day." And my dad used to drive him crazy. You hear that? That's your mama. That's your mama right there. And what is she in this house doing? This is a house of God. Your mama in here talking about smoking and fucking. <laughs> That's the kind of example she says for her children. Mm -hmm. Mama's like to have a good time. Ebony knows that story. Talk about some smoke and fuck all day. What I kind of shit is this? I love that she would sing it, though. I She'd love, sing it. I love, you can find me and sing no way. I do that with rap songs, too. smoke and fuck all day. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Bonafide legend on the podcast now. Bonafide legend. Appreciate you know that. what? When I say legend, I mean... A legend, and y'all know he a legend, but I don't even think that he gets the credit for the amount of legendary shit that he has been a part of. Mm -hmm. um, one of the founding voices in not just hip-hop, not just Southern hip-hop, but hip-hop, period. You know the sound, you know the man. His name is Juicy J. The book is Chronicles of the Juice Man, a memoir. Oh, my God. Yes, sir. Juicy <laughs> J joins us today on Higher Learning. My brother, what's up? Man, just chilling, man, having a great day, man. You know what I'm saying? Feeling good. Drinking water. Drinking water. Drinking water. Staying hydrated. Let me ask you a question. This is going to sound like a stupid question, but have you always drank water or did you get to a point in your life till you were like, it's more important to drink water now than it ever has been before? 
I got to a point in my life, you know, when you smoke a lot of weed, you get that cotton mouth, man. So you got to stay hydrated, man. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Juicy, let me ask you something. You, you, just real quick, you've done so much. We've seen you for so many times, uh, so much over the years. Uh, Academy Awards, all of the time that you've spent on the screen. Why was it important for you to write a book? It's that time, man. You know, I was, I was, I was, you know, I was in that mode. I was in that, in that, in that vibe. Um, I was going through a lot at the time too. <clears throat> My mom was uh, sick with cancer, mm. and then she ended up passing away. Oh, sorry. So, I mean, you know, uh, I just, I just did. I was, I was gonna do it like a few years back, but you know, I just started writing it and, um, and um, you know, expressing myself, letting people know what was going on in my life. And, it's a good inspirational book, man. You know, it's not just for everybody in the music business, for people outside the music business. It's, it's a it's a real story about real life, you know, real life situations. Mm. It it's it reads like a diary, Juicy J. It really is. Like once you start, once you pick it up, it's it's hard to put down. And um also they, like Van and I are both from the South. So this is also I'm Texas, he's Louisiana. So this right. is also a moment for us too. But one of the things that I appreciated in the book, and, and there's a lot, a lot to appreciate, is that you really open up personally. You know, I know that you keep your personal life private, your yep. family life. But in this book, you decided to open up and even particularly talk about mental health. And I know that your latest project also addresses that. Why was that so important for you? Because we don't see that a lot. I mean, now that's maybe a little bit becoming an old narrative because we're starting to talk more about it. But why was that so important for you to address that and on a personal level? Because uh, we we all go through mental health issues every day, you know, and um, I felt like, you know, I, I talk about strip clubs and this and that and people see me out and they see me smiling, and, you know, smoking weed, having fun and trippy and all that stuff. But I real I live a real life, you know, and I want people to understand that I live a real, real life. And I go through ups and downs. I have great days and I have bad days. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been, I've, you know, I've been down that road. I understand. I get it. You know, um, everything I say in this book, people can relate to. So I, it was just time for me to just share my truth, you know, my personal life, things like that. And I just felt like it was just that time, you know. I, I've been going through so much and it's hard to hide it. You know, I, I talk about it on my album, Mental Trillness, about my mom, about this, that, situations in life, not trusting people. Um, being very paranoid all the time and, and, you know, growing up in Memphis. So, um, you know, this just, it's just the vibe I'm on right now. Let's talk about Memphis for a second. I've said on this podcast before that I think Memphis is the most underrated city as far as hip-hop. Yeah. Tell you what happened. I'm in Baton Rouge. I'm doing my thing. My homeboy, Gino, he comes, comes down from a place called Black Haven. You're always talking about Black Haven. That's where he's from. Yeah, he he brings his music back. I don't know, maybe it's like ninety three, ninety four, and we saw listening to this shit. And at first, juicy, I'm not gonna lie, bro, we had to hide it from my parents because they weren't feeling the whole triple six. I want to talk about it. Yeah, had to, I had to hide it. You know what I mean? But the music comes through, and he put this shit on, and it was some dude on the record like lick my butt, lick my butt, lick my butt, the whole nine, and I'm like, what the. Fuck is this shit? <laughs> like, bro, what? Like, what you got us listening to? He like, he like, nah, nigga, you gotta, you gotta get into it. And that's when my journey with three six with Memphis that same time, Ball and G are doing their thing, and it's a whole sound, and it really births a crunk movement that kind of relocates to Atlanta after a time. And I feel like Memphis 
with all the acts that have come out of Memphis, yeah. still has yet to get the credit that they deserve as one of the most fertile grounds for hip-hop that we currently have. Do you think that Memphis is an underrated and sometimes overlooked city in terms of hip-hop? Yes, it's always been a diamond in the rough, but now it's starting to open up. People are finding out and figuring out, you know, um, a lot of Memphis rappers are doing amazing jobs right now, killing it in the game. So it's, it's happening. You know, it just took a long time. You're right. A lot of people have taken a little certain things here and there and, you know, styles and vibes of Memphis. But now we're getting our credit, you know, it's happening slowly but surely. Hmm. I want to piggyback on that because in the book, and I, this is something I didn't know, you talk about, you talk about stealing sounds or maybe even a name here and there. You talk about the uh, relationship with, with Bone Thugs and Harmony. You talk about the name, the notorious Juicy J. Can you speak a little bit about that and talk about, because it, it is interesting how you talk about how other people were maybe still in the sound and stuff like that. But now you your music has been sampled by so many artists. So it's almost like this full circle moment. Can you talk about what you talk about with about Bone? Because I didn't know that history. And yeah. Yeah, well, we was coming up in Memphis, you know, um, you know, making mixtapes. And so we did we didn't go nowhere outside of Memphis. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe Mississippi. That was it. So when you hear somebody, um, like when Bone was doing they love, the little triplet flow, whatever, the flow like Lord Infamous was using, and you know, a lot of gangsta a lot of us was using, we was like, oh man, they they still in our style, you know, not even thinking that everybody be on the same page. Not even just really saying they stole it, but it's like you know, when you when you coming up, you know, certain things sound the same, maybe sound the same in this city, may sound a little bit similar in that, in each, mm-hmm. you know, other cities. So um, we just, you know, we was young, man. You know, we was like in our early 20s. I could have been probably 20, 21. And Gangsta Boot probably could have been 17. Paul could have been like 18. So we thinking like, oh, man, they, they still, in our, you know, we young niggas. So we like, oh, <laughs> they still in our style. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I saw that like the Notorious Big and I was like, I, back in the day, I used to call myself the Notorious Juicy J. So I was like, man, I wonder did they hear my mixtapes, man? You know, he called himself Notorious Big. But not, and not, and not even saying that, you know, that happened, but because I don't know. You know, I'm in, I'm in Memphis mm-hmm. now. I'm, just a little, I'm a young Memphis nigga, you know what I'm saying? Small city, small town. And I'm just like, you know, on the inside looking out like, oh, yo, these people are stealing our stuff. So, you know. Did you, did like, you ever ask? Did you ever ask? Because I'm sure you've been in the same circles with some people that knew Big. And did you ever ask, yo, man? Did the big kind of kind of pick up off the notorious thing from Juicy J? Have you ever asked anybody about it? No, nah, is- nah, I didn't want to. I didn't want to embarrass myself, man. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I really, I really, I, I'm just, I'm just in my book. I just tell you that's how I actually felt when I was younger. I was Word. like, mm-hmm. these people are. But then the older I got, I was like, nah, man, these people didn't steal our style. Bone didn't steal our style. You know, no, folks are just rapping the same, man. You know what I'm saying? It was just like it, that's just a wave. You know what I mean? I feel like that was just a wave because their music still different from our music. You know. Biggie Smalls, his stuff, his stuff is definitely different from Three Six Mafia. So you know, um, I, it, it's when I was young, man, I, I thought those certain things, and I was, I was not so much as like, you know, pointing the finger like, oh, they did it. I was kind of like, I wonder, I wonder did they hear? I wonder did they listen? I wonder. <laughs> like, Damn, how would they? But I was thinking like, how would they get our mixtapes? Because we only sold our mixtapes on the street, you mm-hmm. know, and like in the stereo stores and, and stuff like that, um, the little car stores. So I was like, man, I wonder did. Somebody get one and FedEx one to a mail one to their friend in Cleveland, a mail one to New York. You know, I don't know. I was was wondering, you know, when I was a young nigga. But the older I yeah. got, I was like, man, you know, it just 
it's just music, man. You know what I'm saying? It ain't no big deal. I love Bone Thugs and Harmony. I'm, you know, big ass fan of both them and Biggie. You know what I'm saying? Much love to them dudes. Rest in peace to the, the, the legend, the greatest of mm -hmm. all time rapper, Biggie Small. So, you know, man, you know, you live and you learn, you go through things, man. Yeah. yeah. You know, brother, when I see some of the OGs, I look at y'all as not just pioneers, legends, success stories, but also as survivors. Yeah. Because so much and so many times in the game, rap, we lose brothers to ancestors, to violence. But we also lose them to different health concerns. And I know that that has impacted the the 3-6 Mafia family. You know, you guys have had a couple of members transition on, inclu including somebody who I who I knew and was friendly with, um, Lola. How hard has it been for you and the surviving remaining members to move on and keep those memories alive and not get caught up in the depression of losing people so close to y'all while you've also had this success? Do you feel like you're having any PTSD? Are you dealing with your grief in the right ways? Like, what's your process in moving through things like that? Man, a lot of prayer, um, praying a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I got a, um, a um, therapist as well. You know what I'm saying? I talk to them. Um, this, this stuff like that, man, you know what I'm saying? Um, and just taking time out for yourself, you know what I mean? Just kind of taking a break and relaxing and just trying to, you know, keep, keep your mind straight, man. Cause this stuff, this, you know, you, when you read my book, man, this shit was driving me crazy, man. Like yeah. I was to a point where I was just like, you know, just getting high every day, uh, taking Xanax and drinking alcohol, which you don't supposed to do. And it just, it, it was, it was a lot on me, man. You know, trying to lose weight and all this old shit. It was just a lot of and then and then then riding around with guns every day, looking over my shoulder. Can't trust nobody around me. Can't trust nobody outside my clique, inside the clique. I'm just like overly paranoid, you know what I'm saying? And a lot of things was just happening. Everything was just happening. People going to jail, people getting shot, people. Dead. So much going on, man. So it's been a real mental struggle, like just in here, just been mm -hmm. just like confusion and. All kind of shit, man. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 been tough. It's still an everyday struggle. You know, I still think about Boo and and Koopsenega and uh, Lord Evans every day. You know, and um, sometimes I shed a tear, man. Even my mom, I sh I shed tears, man, because I miss them. And um, I know we have some little small differences, man. But like, you know, the older I've, I've gotten, man, you know that shit wasn't really shit, man. You know, when you think about it, we just had egos, man. We were some talented motherfuckers. Everybody was talented as fuck, <laughs> yeah. And everybody was cold as fuck in the studio. And you you got six geniuses in a room. And everybody thinking they the shit, but like listen to that music. That shit came. It's just classic. They start, they sampling it. The the sales done went up. Everything is going crazy with it. So, man, like we were just some cold motherfuckers, man. But like like you know, deep down in my heart, man, I love each and every one of them. You know what I'm saying? Even right today, Paul Lord, I mean Paul and uh, uh, the surviving members, Paul and Crunchy Black. I love them dudes, man. Regardless if we talk or not, it don't even matter because we did something together. We had a great time. Uh, we built something together. I mean, we shed tears together, man. We fought together. We eat all kind of shit together. So, you know, um, I think about everybody every day, man, the whole group and all the times we had and just the, the crazy times and the crazy parties and stuff like that in the studio. Hmm. It was a run, man. Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the way that you said that. And I'm sure that as you were writing this book, there was so much reflection as you were thinking about from the dream that you had so young, which I so appreciated hearing how business minded you were at such a young age to then making it into a reality and continuing to go from now. When you think back, like, what would you tell your younger self sitting where you are today? If you could reach, what would you tell your younger self back then when it was, was all a dream? Um, 
you said before I before I became what I am. You know what I'm saying? You saying mm -hmm. like the, the, the only thing I, I take regrets is stuff like uh, in my younger days is like a couple of contracts, not all of them, but a couple of contracts I might could have waited. I was, we was we was real anxious to, to to you know to sign a major deal. We was like in a rush. <laughs> Nobody could tell us shit. We just wanted to be major so bad. We didn't even care. We weren't worried about the money or nothing. You know what I'm saying? Even though we got money and you know they they took care of us, but it was we were just so anxious to sign a contract and just blow up because we knew we knew he was the shit. Like we knew mm -hmm. this. It was you know I, I don't even know where it came from, but it's just how we felt, man. We just felt like we were some cold motherfuckers because we could. I mean, we could rap our ass off, make beats. I mean, a lot of rappers couldn't do that. We did all our stuff. We did our own taxes. We we picked. We booked our own show. We would have <laughs> yeah. a telephone. We ring. We'd be like, "Hello, disguising our voice. You want to book two months?" <laughs> and we would write up the contracts ourselves. We would pick up the money. I mean, it was so in house. Everything was in house. We did everything in house. We shot our own videos. You know, we paid the the directors out of our own pocket. I mean, we did everything, man. So, um, you know, that's the only thing. I just have a little, little small regrets back when I'm my younger self. Like, slow down, man. Don't be in such a rush to sign everything. You know, read that shit again and make sure that lawyer is telling you, you know, telling you the real on them contracts. Because the, in the beginning, we didn't have, like, a real good music attorney. In the beginning, we just had, a, like, a local guy. You know, he was cool. He was from Memphis, local guy, you know, but he didn't really know too much about uh, the music like that. But, uh, you know, hey, it worked out. I'm not, you know, yeah. we, wasn't, we wasn't tied in. We wasn't in a slave deal. but. Uh, you know, we uh we own eighty five percent of our masters and stuff like that, and we own all the publishing and stuff like that. So, I mean, we made it out okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, you talked a little bit about some of your struggles with drug use and some of the things that you did to cope while the stress was getting heavy. What do you think about the drug use that exists in hip hop today? What do you think about the culture that exists around some of the brothers and the pills and the sisters as well, the pills, uh, all of that stuff that over the last five to 10 years has become a real heavy part of it. What's your opinion, what's your opinion on the drug culture and hip hop today? Today I hate it because it's like they put that fentanyl in everything, man. Um, one thing about me when I was taking drugs and uh, every now and then, no, no bullshit. I may have to take a half a Zan when I'm on a plane or something, but all my drugs are prescribed. All my drugs always been prescribed. I would never, I probably sit a little lean from off the street, but I would I would just be very precautious with just grabbing somebody. Oh man, I got some some uh some Percocets. I'd be like, all right, cool. You know what I'm saying? I always really got my stuff from the um the pharmacy, from a doctor. Uh, I had a lot of it too. Um and stuff like that. But you know, uh today's cultures, it, I just feel like everybody's buying stuff off the street. They're putting fentanyl in it and uh it's killing people on the spot, man. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's killing me on the spot, and it's, it's so fucked up. Every time I, I hear about somebody dying of a fentanyl, man, it just, man, I cringe, man. I just, it hurt me. It hurt, it hurt my heart because, you know, members in my group, you know, have passed away allegedly yeah, no, over yeah. that type of shit. So it's just yeah. like, that shit is it, it, fucked up. Is I mean, like, I tell everybody, man, like, motherfuckers that do drugs, I understand your, your addiction. I get it. I've been there before. Don't get it from the motherfucking off the street, though. If you're going to get some shit, get some shit from a pharmacy. And then, like, if you can, try to just, uh, you know, get some help with taking that medication so you can maybe help, you know, get yourself off or, whatever, or be able to, to to be off a couple of days and get on, you know, just be able to get off when you want to. That's one thing I never let drugs just take me completely over. It, it had me fucked up and I was high a lot, but I wouldn't be like, oh, I got to have drugs to go to the studio. Oh, I got to have drugs to make it to a show. I'm getting my money. 
Mm. You know do you think like, right now, do you think nowadays that rappers are rapping too much about their drug use? Uh, well, I can't really, you know, I can't really judge a person on what they rap about. I just mm -hmm. feel like I think they should tell the real true stories of the drug use. If you want to talk about drug use today, I feel like you should talk about the ups and downs. Mm -hmm. Again, man, I almost died. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I almost OD. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, I, I shouldn't have been taking too much drugs. I shouldn't have been taking too much Xanax. Like I told you, I was mixing Xanax with alcohol. I remember walking through the airport and I'm waking up. Like, where the fuck am I? You know what I'm saying? Like, shit mm. like that's crazy. Passing out and shit. So, like, we should talk about the ups and downs. Like, I used to get on drugs and drink and then wake up chick in my bed. I'd be like, what's your name? You know? Uh. <laughs> you, know what I'm Who are you? you know what I mean? Right. So, um, I just feel like we should definitely... If we're going to talk about drugs, we got to say, oh, yeah, we're getting high today. But but the day after day, I took some bad dope and I had an overdose. Like, let mm. these people know. Let these folks know the real shit. So when they're hearing your raps, they'd be like, hey, maybe I might not take that drug because such and such said he overdosed. Yeah, I almost mm. died. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm So I just, that's why, that's why I'm at right now, man. That's why I call it mental trillness, man. You know, it's mental, mental health and trillness just for the. For the sauce of it, but it's like, like you know, you gotta, you gotta be careful out here, man. It's, it's dangerous for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, Megan The Stallion just posted a video on TikTok where she was dancing to your song, and then boom, you pop up at the end. Had everybody talking. Um, you know, in light of what's everything that's going on surrounding Megan The Stallion, and with the case with Tory Lanez, a few rappers, uh, R and B artists, wrote letters in support of Tory Lanez. Some rappers took shots at um, Meg The Stallion in their songs, and it seems like they weren't supporting Megan's account of the situation. Where do you stand with everything on that? And were you making a statement by being with her in that video? Man, I love Megan The Stallion. We was at a birthday party. We, had, we have great times, man. I don't even try to uh, dwell on people's personal stuff. Like, that's our personal issues or whatever. You know, we've talked about certain things. I love her. I support her to the fullest. Uh, that's my sister. Uh, but... You know, man, we we move. You know, we moving forward right now. You know, we working on a new album. We just we moving forward. Mm. Uh, I don't I don't too much try to engage in, you know, that situation with her. Yeah. You know, you know that's our personal stuff. You know, man, that's our personal life, and uh, I respect her, man. I love her. You know, what I'm saying, and I don't be trying to you know dwell or di dive into that category too much because that's not my business. And um, but hey, I'm gonna tell you something, man. She's in good spirits. Um, she's, uh, man, she got some hard shit, man. She cold, man. Mm. <laughs> she cold. You said new, you said album. She's working, y'all are working together on music? Yeah, look, Is look that what you're saying? Okay, okay, okay. okay. I don't want to let that slide. Excited about that. I want to ask you a couple of music questions. And I got, I got some stuff, bro, because. All right. I'm a huge, huge, huge 3-6 Mafia fan. But everybody that knows me knows I'm also a huge, huge, huge fan of that nigga Project Pat. Yeah. That's my nigga. Yeah. I don't want to go to county jail no more. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's that's my nigga. And I have a question. A lot of people don't know this. And Rachel didn't know this. We talked about it yesterday. We, talk, we were talking about this, yeah. One of the biggest songs in your production history, one of the biggest songs in hip-hop history is... UGK featuring Outkast yeah. in a national players anthem. Yeah. And what I like to do when I like to fuck people's heads up when they come to the crib, I did this to Rachel yesterday, is I like to play a different record called Choose You. Mm -hmm. That's a Project Pat record. 
same beat, same feel. And people go, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, like, I want to know, because that song is, both songs are heat. I'm not going to say which one I like better, because everybody's going to get on my ass if I say which one I like better. <laughs> I just fuck with Project Pat in a real heavy way. All right? I'm from Texas. <laughs> How did Project Pat feel about that beat that was on his record, that crazy beat with the Willie Hutch sample, then being repurposed with UGK and Outkast and becoming one of the biggest songs in hip-hop history when he had had it before. Was he good with that? I know Pimp wanted to be, but a lot of Project Pat fans feel like maybe Choose You didn't get the push that it should have got, or maybe that would have been the record. Like, clear up that story for us and tell people who don't know about these two records how that happened, and how does Pat feel about that? Hey, man, first of all, we love, rest in peace, Pimp C. Rest in peace uh, to Pimp C. Because that's yeah. one of, another one of my top five groups. I was just with Bum B, man. Yep, shout out to Bond. Trio Burgers is going up. Going crazy. Uh, <laughs> going crazy, man. Uh, Pimp C, man, like, they, 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 I, could, I consider them family members, man. Like, mm. you know, rest in peace to his mom. She used to cook. Back in the day, we would go up. We went, did a couple of video shoots or whatever. She would cook and all that stuff, man. Good, good people, man. Bond B, Pimp, all real good people. All them real good people. So um, Pimp C had got out of jail. He was telling us, he was like, hey, man, I want that same beat, man, on that Project Pad album, man. <laughs> I don't change nothing, man. Just send me the instrumental, man. Watch what I do with that motherfucker, man. <laughs> and we did. And, and, you know, Pat gave us, gave uh, Pimp C, you know, the blessing, and we gave him the blessings. Like, we both with Pimp C, man. And, and, and he, look what he, look what they did. They man. made a fucking classic. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Song got nominated for a Grammy and everything, man. This is crazy. I was like, damn. You know? <laughs> and actually, we had, we, we had posted been on the song, which we did a verse on the song, but somebody in Columbia Records didn't clear it. And we didn't even know this. We didn't even know. So they had called us like, oh, man, we can't get the record clear. I'm like, what the fuck? Who, what? <laughs> and they put Outcast on the song, which, was cool. I didn't have no problem with it. You know what I'm saying? We did the production, so it's all it's all good. A check is a check. Check you know is a check. Saying? So, so I was like, all right, man, man, that junk gonna be even bigger. And that junk got nominated for a Grammy. I was like, damn. Is that your biggest record you ever produced? You feel like? Um, I would say, I don't know. I would say a lot of records. Stay flies. Yeah, but slob on my knob. It's been sampled so many times, which you wrote in eleventh yeah, grade, which is wild to me. What? Yeah, crazy, right? <laughs> you know, when I first wrote, wrote that song, I thought that was, I thought it was the most stupidest song I've had in my life. I was like, stupid song. <laughs> you know, I was at a club, I was playing it, and then I come back to the club the next week, and that was the first time I played that. I played it one time. I played it at the end of the club. I was DJing at this club called Excalibur in South Memphis. So everybody's walking out, I play Slob on Up. Nothing, no reaction. I come back the next week, as I was putting my crates of records, stacking my crates of records. You know crates of records are, don't you? Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People was walking in. They was like, man, hey, Juicy, man, play that song you played last week. Play. I said, what song? It was like, they, they, they couldn't remember. It's like, it wasn't like slob on something. I said, oh, that bullshit, man. I ain't playing that song, man. It's a stupid-ass song. Nigga, play that song. So I played it for the second time in the club. Second time I played it, the whole club went crazy. I was like, damn. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, and that's why I got my first start as a household name around Memphis as a one of the biggest, uh, best DJs in, in, in Memphis. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was scratching like Jazzy Jeff behind my back. with The, the whole elbow. nine. The elbow. The the whole the nine. One moment I'll never forget in my life. 
it was like 2006. I had just got out to LA. We had a little Oscar party, right? We have a little Oscar party. And Hustle & Flow had been doing this thing. Shout out to my boy, Anthony Anderson, um, yep. Craig Brewer, the whole thing. It was just a movement. Craig Brewer, Craig Brewer everybody, right? Terrence yeah. Howard, Taraji, everyone. Yeah. Fantastic mm-hmm. film. And, I mean, if whether it's Whoop That Trick, which now has its own life with the Memphis Grizzly, whether it's yeah. Hard Out There for a Pimp, the soundtrack of the movie is brilliant, brilliant, brilliant stuff. And to the point to where the movie, the story can't be told if the soundtrack for the film is any less hard. If it's, mm-hmm. if it's, not, as, if it's not as penetrating and as classic, if the songs aren't as classic, Hustle and Flow doesn't exist. So you guys have a huge, huge part of that movie, and you know that. Y'all win the yep. Academy Award. I'm in a room full of white people. I go nuts. <laughs> they like, what the hell is going on with this motherfucker? I'm going crazy. Y'all going crazy. The whole cultural going crazy. The whole South just won the Super Bowl. That's how it feels. How did your life change after that, I'm sure you've been asked this before, but I want one story of something crazy that happened after you became an Academy Award winner. I have been partying. We call it the longest Oscar party. Of That's how the book starts with that. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I felt like the, the party was so crazy. People are walking around with flavored cocaine, and I had never seen flavored like this. I like this waiter walked up to me. You know, had his hair slicked back. He like, hey, you want it? Like he, like he trying to give me a drink. He wants to go, and I'm like, what the fuck. I looked in the box. He had a like a light little wood grain box. <laughs> Had on that like cherry, blueberry, coke, watermelon coke. I'm like, how the hell you mix flavors? Where y'all get the flavor of cocaine at? Like, LA is crazy, man. <laughs> right. I didn't take, I didn't do that there. <laughs> I was just like, I couldn't, I had never seen no shit like that. I mean, like I said, bro, bro, it's been so many crazy times, bro. I mean, the Playboy Mansion, I remember seeing Donald Trump in there and a bunch of actors and a lot of cool people. And Juicy, what was Donald, people, what was Donald Trump doing in the Playboy Mansion, Juicy? What did you see? <laughs> Juicy, what did you see <laughs> Donald Trump doing inside the Playboy Mansion? <laughs> <laughs> Man. <laughs> that Playboy Mansion was one hell of a place, bro. That play, we was mm. the first rap group to ever perform there, man. Rest in peace, he, he, yeah, yeah. Really? I mean, it, it was just like, uh, yeah, it was, it was. Keep in mind, after I won the Oscar, I was in the what they call it, the, grot- the grotto or whatever. The grotto. Yeah, yeah, the grotto. I met yeah. this porn star. She's like, get in. She, gets, she, takes, she takes off all her clothes. She jumps in the, in the pool. I'm like, holy shit. I take off all my clothes. I jump in the pool. People having sex everywhere. And then I was like, I don't know. Something hit me in the head. It was like, hey, you know you don't have a rubber, right? Something was telling me. You know you don't have a rubber, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know you don't have a rubber, right? Like, I would get these little voices in my head that would tell me when I'm getting ready to do something that I shouldn't be doing, it, it would tell me. Like, you know you don't have a rubber, right? So I'm thinking like, damn. And like you just want an Academy Award. Why would you have sex with this porn star? She could have HIV. She could have syphilis. She could have, I mean, like all this kind of shit started running through my head. So literally, I got kind of nervous and scared. I was like, man, you know what? She was fine as hell. She's like, come on, come on. I was like, nah, I'm chill. So I jumped out the joint, put my clothes back on. Everybody called me stupid. Man, you crazy? I would have robbed. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, you would have robbed all that. But I did. I said, you know, I probably saved my life. You know, who knows? I probably could have got that chick pregnant. Who knows? Like, what the hell? You know what I'm saying? So uh, that was that was a mm. crazy experience in the Playboy Mansion, man. One, one crazy. of the one crazy. of the crazy experiences at the mansion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you got the book coming out in September. What else is next for you? Mm. Um, I'm executive producer of Ty Dolla Sign's new album. Oh okay. wow! 
hang out with my kids. Man, I got two beautiful kids, man. You know, my family, stuff like that. You know, life, real life shit. How do you ju- how do you juggle being of being a family man, father with being Juicy J? Um, I, I just schedule everything. I go to the studio like at eight, and I just be with you know. I take my uh, daughter and my son to uh, their little preschool in the morning, and then when they come home, we play and have fun and play games and. You know, and they like to they, they want me to get them piggyback rides and stuff like that. Or we might go to we might go we might go to Chuck E. Cheese or um it's a place they like called uh Kids Empire. We might go there or go to a park or something like that, you know. And we just spend a lot of great time, man. I mean, like that's what it's all about, man. Having family and good friends around you, man. Oh yeah, another thing too, I got an album coming out with Logic. Logic produced the whole album for me. Logic Whoa, 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 wait a minute, yes. wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you got a Logic produced the album for Juicy J. Yes, and I'm rapping on it. I'm, I'm, I'm going in. I'm on my New York shit. I'm on my boom. I ain't gonna say New. I'm gonna say boom bap. I'm on my boom bap. You're doing your boom <laughs> bap. So you got a, a, a you got a lyrical album coming out with Logic as a yes. producer. Let me say something real quick. Logic is a controversial person in hip hop because some people don't know what to make of him. What's your thoughts on Logic as a rapper and as a producer? Yeah, cold motherfucker, man. You're a real nigga, man. You know what I'm saying? He, 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 he cold, man, in the studio, man. So, lo- wait, 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 wait. You say Logic is a real nigga? Yeah, he's a real nigga. You know what I'm saying? He good, he good people. You know what I'm saying? He, he black and white. He's he good people, man. <laughs> how, how is... Uh, Juicy, I got to let you... Hold on now. Hold on. Hold on, Juicy. Wait a second now. One of my heroes, I got to ask him, what makes Logic a real nigga? Because I've never... I've heard Logic described in a lot of ways. Genius, talented, uh, amazing, nice guy. I've never heard Logic described as a real nigga. What makes Logic a real nigga? Man, he's an honest, cool guy, man. Down to earth. He, he would help anybody. They'd give you his last, bro. Like, he that type of, he a real nigga, you know what I'm saying? You went to jail, he'll bail you out. You know what I'm saying? He cool as fuck, man, you know? You know, it was like real shit. That's a, that, that, that's this, I'm going to be honest with you. Logic didn't accomplish a lot. This might be the biggest moment of Logic's career right here. <laughs> <laughs> to, to have to have Juicy J call him a real nigga, I'm gonna spin that shit. I'm gonna I'm I'm go back and listen to more of that shit. I'm gonna try to check. I'm gonna do a little song with the what do you do with the little numbers on there. You got the the phone number in the joint. Yes, I, I listen to that shit. Before I let you get out of here, Juicy, I want to ask you one thing. Last year we lost Dolph. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually, might have been two years ago now, but uh, th- that that we lost Dolph. Memphis is having this rise in terms of hip hop. Yeah. But also, the streets of Memphis are hot right now, yeah. man. They hot. Real shit, yeah. Um, real shit. What's your thoughts on where the streets of Memphis are right now and kind of some of the things that's going on back where you're from? Man, Memphis has always been an evil, violent city. You know what I'm saying? I always had that dark cloud over it. I, I just pray every day, man, hopefully that, uh, you know, some kind of way we can come together and um, stop the violence and try to just use our music. Because everybody in Memphis... A lot of people in Memphis, I'm going to say everybody, got musical talent. You go down there and see a nigga working at McDonald's, so you just say, man, keep playing instrument. He'd be like, yeah, I can play keyboard. I can rap. Niggas got crazy <laughs> talent down there. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just praying every day, man. And, um, you know, hey, when I'm done with music, maybe I run for a, a senator or something in Tennessee. Maybe I can come, oh. come down there and help the community, you know, which I help the community, but, like, really get down there and do some political shit and, uh, and just get everybody, you know, involved from the mayor to the different uh, counties and get everybody involved as far as like having a stop the violence uh, movement down there. You know what I'm saying? And like, let's up, up, uplift, these, uplift these kids and, uh, you know, maybe make some music museums and put these people in some uh, 
some organ, some programs to just keep keep their heads straight, offer better jobs for people. That's another thing too. They got some shitty jobs in Memphis, man. They're all, you know, niggas ain't making no money with them shitty jobs down there. So, but even still, even right now, I'm always trying to tell niggas, hey man, stop the violence, stop the violence. Let's stop. Let's chill. Let's sit down and see if we can talk this out. You know what I'm saying? Before it get too crazy, and uh, just try to uh, just make money with this music and uh, helping one another or whatever. You know, instead of pulling that strap out. You know what I'm saying? Word. Word. Yeah. All right, that that's Juicy J. The book is Chronicles of the Juice Man, a memoir. It is out in September through Hopper Collins, a, mo- a memoir of the Oscar-winning platinum-selling rapper and a producer for fans of Rick Ross's Hurricanes. Why they got to mention Rick Ross' book in there? Let's like, put the Rick Ross book in there. Well, Shout uh, out to Rick Ross. I uh, wrote that as uh, Soren Baker. He, he wrote my book with me. Um, I, oh, I gave him information. He just, he, you know, he put it out in in, um, in words, mm-hmm. and, you know, made it make make sense and put it together. That's a great, that's a good book, by the way. I'm messing with Ross, 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 the yeah. homie. That's a good book. Um, Juice, we appreciate you coming, bro. Yeah. This is actually a, a a a real big moment in my life. Been listening to your music, thank big inspiration for me for a long, long time. Appreciate you have coming on Higher Learning today with us, brother. Hey, thank you, man. Appreciate y'all, man. Blessings. <laughs>